1: Get started today at plushcare.com slash loss That's plushcare.com slash loss plushcare.com slash loss
5: This podcast is supported in part by the Bertha Foundation. G'day,
0: Lewis. How are you? Good evening, Daniel. I'm well. I'm well. How are you?
5: I'm
1: really good. I feel, um, I feel it's good having a week off, isn't it? Like It's good when NBN besets your podcast with woe that you can't actually record and you have to take a week off from doing it. Gosh, you yeah. have every week.
0: Do you <laughs> think you were taken down by the powers that be? Do you think you're getting too powerful?
1: Yeah, I've, I've, I have been in getting into quite, quite a Twitter stoush every time Tim Wilson tweets. I don't know if you've seen this. Tim Wilson has t- all of a sudden turned into a, like an environmentalist.
0: I've seen it, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's quite the transformation for some guy who uh, has been at the IPA for years trying to rip down every bit of climate policy. He's the guy that's like, hey, come on, everyone, we can do it. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. <laughs> it's like so bizarre. I,
0: I, It actually makes you really wonder what it's like when he catches up with his old buds. Like do they, like when he goes back to the IPA for the secret meetings, when he puts the hood on and he goes underground and they all, when they're finished with the chanting, like are they friendly to him or like do they go, we know what you're doing, Tim, and it's okay? Or are they like, you traitor, you used to be one of us?
1: Oh, you're, uh, We know what you're doing. Just, you know, g- get in one more time. We need to keep the power. Keep the power, Tim. Placate them. Take, keep those votes away from, I mean, we will talk to Georgia Steele a bit about this later on, but I feel mm. like there's this in, incredible moment we're in right now where liberals are trying to pretend to be environmentalists because all the, quote unquote, conservative environmentalist votes are now heading towards these climate independents, which is pretty interesting. So
0: It is. They're on edge. I'm on edge as well, actually, I have to admit. I haven't been to this part of my bedroom in a few days. In the middle <laughs> of the night, like three nights ago, I thought I saw a cockroach over here. And so oh. I came over at like three AM with a shoe, and I whacked the cockroach, and it fell yeah. like a dead yeah. cockroach would. And yeah. then it was too late in the night for me to deal with the body of a cockroach. I was like, I can kill, <laughs> but I can't clean up.
1: I went back. So to somewhere sleep. there's a mass grave of cockroaches from where, where oh, you're, so you're sitting mean, right now.
0: <laughs> Sydney is a mass grave of cockroaches. <laughs> cockroaches. And then yeah. I um I haven't been back here for three days, and it just starts coming over to my computer. I thought oh, I'm gonna have to deal with the dead body of that cockroach. And I <laughs> got here, and there is no dead body of a cockroach twist it's still alive and it's somewhere in this room and now i can't stop thinking about it
1: well you are a victorian by nature so i assume you're not adjusting to sydney cockroaches yet i I mean you've been here 15 years but you still haven't adjusted to the big sydney cockroach
0: i don't know how people live here like i don't (laughs) i don't know how like they live here and we're just renting from the cockroaches in this city it's wild
1: Well, I've got to tell you, that is an apt metaphor for all of Australia right now. (laughs) We are all just renting from the cockroaches. Um, Big shout out to everyone who turned up to our Opera House show that was cancelled. I'm sure you... (laughs) Thanks for coming. (laughs) Just letting you know that Opera House show is going to be rescheduled for June. So uh, hang on to your tickets and we'll see you in June. Uh, And hello to anyone who may have been thinking go to our thinking about going to our Judith Nielsen show um, at the Judith Nielsen Institute. That's now going to be rescheduled for May because um, of the whole Omicron stuff. So mm-hmm. just a bit of housekeeping out of the way. I say we start tonight's show. What do you reckon, Lewis?
0: Let's do it. Let's do it.
1: I'm recording my end of a rational fear on Gadigal land in the Eora Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty.
2: Let's start the show.
3: A rational fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra <laughs> Fair D*** and Section 40 <laughs> A rational fear recommends listening by immature audiences.
1: Tonight, Morrison scraps empathy training and instead spends $200,000 on basic grocery costs consultancy. And Bitcoin has halved in value, sparking concerns of a crypto winter, where crypto bros will be forced to live with their parents and only communicate to each other via podcasts, also known as a crypto summer. And in a surprise move, Scott Morrison agrees with Mark McGowan's decision to keep WA borders shut, saying that anything to prevent Perth-based comedians from infecting the eastern states with improv is a good thing. (laughs) It's the 4th of February, and this is a podcast with more side eye than Grace Tame. This is Irrational Fear.
2: Irrational Fear!
1: Hi, welcome to Rational Fear. I'm your host, former Supreme Court Judge Dan Illich, and Rational Fear, if you, this is your first time listening, is kind of like the rat tests of podcasts. It's it's painful, it's negative, but ultimately uh, more than once a week it gets a little annoying. Let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. First time fear mongers indeed. He is the multiple award nominated podcaster and comedian from the Do Go On podcast. He's got a tiny head, but it's filled with facts. It's Dave Warnike. <laughs>
3: Hello. Great to be here. Good evening. Uh, yeah, I can't believe you
1: guys are up to 100. And, uh, no, 327 episode 327. That is an
3: incredible, incredibly prolific. Well done. Thank you. Some would say too much, but I say never enough. We will never stop. <laughs> you, um,
0: your podcast is notable for being one of the only comedy podcasts that requires preparation. Yes, from yeah. the host. <laughs> you know,
1: like you've actually really shot yourself in the foot.
3: It's a choice we regret every single week. <laughs>
1: And she also is the co-host of that podcast. She's just returned from the front lines of battling COVID-19. Her tests may be negative, but her laughter is contagious. (laughs) Also from Do Go On, it's Jess Perkins.
4: Oh, my God, what a delight. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Perfect timing to be on a podcast that's, um, you know, really focused on news and politics when you still have brain... Fog. I meant to say frog. That's where I'm at. Dan?
1: She doesn't think she knows. She's got brain frog. And he's the only boomer left at Triple J. It is Lewis Holler.
0: How dare you? Richard Kingsmill will have you for that.
1: <laughs> oh, of course, Richard Kingsmill. Of course, I keep forgetting, I keep forgetting. I
0: can't leave until, like, I can stay there as long as he's there because I'm the second oldest man in the building. <laughs> the moment he goes, there'll be a bolt to the back of my head, like a like a racehorse at the Melbourne Cup. Ha
1: <laughs> ha. Hey, I wanted to give everyone a bit of a joke-keeper update. Now, folks who uh, are Patreon members have already seen this. They've, they're already aware of what's going on. But I, I thought I'd uh, update everyone who listens normally. So here's a bit of a joke-keeper be update. Sorry,
0: Dan, if I can interrupt. Is this for the podcast list? It's going to be a largely visual presentation?
1: <laughs> this will be a largely visual presentation. So, <laughs> this, is why yeah. this is why you need to be a streamer, like the seven yeah. people who's, or the 21 people who are streaming right now. So, you know, this is if important. If you are listening
0: on the podcast, maybe just skip ahead to minute.
1: <laughs> well, we do video content too. I don't know if you've been seeing our, our videos. John John Boy, our video assistant, takes our stream and cuts it up and puts it out onto the internet every Friday and, and, and Saturday and Sunday, so I don't have to. It's amazing. We've got a guy who who makes videos and puts them on the internet.
0: Yeah, I'm just saying this is an all, uh, not mostly <laughs> an oral an an medium. And you've, what I see in front of me is that you've got a slideshow.
1: And I just wonder
0: if, how long have you well, like... How well, many here's the, times do we need to do a podcast before you realise you can't do a fucking slideshow?
1: Here's the thing. If you want to see these pictures, go to the Patreon, irrationalfear.com forward slash Patreon, and you can get uh, a visual feast.
4: Yes, there's a yeah, guy you, for it. There's a guy who yeah. does it. You're not listening. There's a guy.
1: But if you want to see it, if you want to see it, you got to. Pay for it. This is what we're trying to do. I'm trying to funnel people, Lewis, from the free thing to the thing that, that's paid, so I can keep making money on the podcast.
0: I understand, and I respect. I know you the work at the ABC,
1: and our <laughs> taxpayer dollars fund your cushy, dope-smoking <laughs> lifestyle, going around watching your Kanye West and your Vera Blues all around the country, <laughs> and your hot tracks and the bangers and the flippers and the flumes. But come on, mate, we have got to try and make money on this thing somehow.
0: <laughs> I don't care. I don't get paid for this podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I wanted to kind of give people a breath. So um, you may remember we did it, we had a, a billboard in Josh. Uh, Frydenberg's electorate in, in Hawthorne um, and it was a billboard that you weren't allowed to put any political messaging up. So we put up this billboard. It says, hey, it's time to buy a standing desk because you're about to lose your seat. Uh, and that got lovely billboard was kind of had a, plenty of space for someone to vandalise it and they did. They vandalised it with the word <laughs> Friedenberg right along the bottom of it, not next to, hey, empty blank space, but Friedenberg at the bottom. So,
3: you know. Were well, they worried that he wasn't going to get it?
1: <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> so, as a result, this got an AEC warning and it got taken oh. down. So, I tried to get another one up. So, I tried to um, get a billboard up saying, Hey, go to Hawaii. It's a wonderful Hawaiian holiday, hilarious Hawaii joke. And they said, No, that was, that was too political. Um, and then, oh, here it is. Yeah, Hawaiian hideaway for when things get too hot at home, Bushfire sound and now on. Whack, <laughs> whack, whack. Um, and they said, "No, that's too political. You can't put that up." And I said, "I can't advertise Hawaii. That's too political." <laughs> they said, "Yep." And I said, "Oh, okay, all right." Um, so by the, by the time um, we got around to negotiating, the billboard space had been gone. Um, so I decided to put one up in Bundaberg to uh, attract the ire of our of a friend of the show, who we like to make fun of on this show, rather Keith Pitt. Keith Pitt, who is um, who's the MP for Hinkler up there, he is famous not talking about battery power. (laughs) He hates batteries. He can't even say the word battery. He goes on Sky News in in this great Sky News interview from a few months back, you may remember, where he couldn't even say the word battery. It's fantastic. So I decided to do a billboard with a vibrator that says, hey, Keith, (laughs) batteries give you power in the dark. (laughs) And unfortunately the out-of-home company said that was too political Uh, and and it also had a sex toy. It's too sexy. So I decided to give this one a go. I said, hey, outdoor company, how about this one? And I, it's a billboard and it says, do you know batteries can give you power in the dark with a flashlight?
3: Is that a flashlight
1: and or a said, flashlight? That? Come on. Well, that's, that's <laughs> the thing. Think? Hang on a second. They said, well, that was too political and they wouldn't run it. And then I said, how about the, just this one? Batteries, wow. And they said... And they said, actually, you know, we'll, we'll compromise. We'll put batteries, wow, up in the main street of Bundaberg. That's not political. Um, but as Dave's keen eyes have discovered, uh, that the flashlight was actually a flashlight. Oh, my God.
3: So, <laughs> oh, no way.
1: <worries. laughs> I, I swear I didn't realise. I don't know what website looks, like, looks like that well. So if you, so if if you, you got keen eyes, we did get them over by putting a sex toy on the main street of Bundaberg. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible thing about this is that uh, this is actually above a battery shop. <laughs> no. Some one of our listeners went out and took a photo of it. So batteries, wow, is actually above a battery shop. So no one's going to
0: get it. Everyone's just going to think it's an ad for the battery shop.
1: <laughs> Everyone's going to think it's an ad for the battery <laughs> shop. But like, So if you are in Bunda, Bundaberg and you're going down Maribor Road, I think it's Maribor Road, yeah, Maribor Street, uh, head on down there and check out uh, our batteries. Wow. Take us a photo with a selfie and we'll uh, we'll put it on our socials. So also, well done.
0: if you are a standing desk company and you know there's a billboard anywhere near your shop, um, let us know because Dan can put the Josh Frydenberg standing. standing billboard above there <laughs> yep, and that's um, it. do another joke that no-one will understand.
1: <laughs> We've got more billboards later on, more visual jokes for the podcast <laughs> later on when we have Georgia Steele. She's the independent candidate for Hughes. We'll run our billboards that are ending up in her electorate. We'll also ask her how will she deal, or rather how will Craig Kelly deal with running against a competent person? <laughs> um, but first of all, let's have a message from this week's sponsor.
2: In these uncertain times, it's important to be fiscally responsible. Our nation is on the edge of an economic cliff. With very little interest in interest rates. At a record low, 0.1%. And with the stock market sliding faster than a test cricketer into your DMs.
5: $50 billion wiped off the value of Australian shares today. There's
2: only one place to put your money that will see guaranteed returns. Political donations. Starting as low as $25,000, you can be guaranteed enormous returns, such as $21 million of subsidies and grants for your fossil fuel projects. That's a return of 840%. Imagine how many politicians you could buy off with that kind of fuck you cash. Ask your financial advisor if political donations are right for you. Political donations. It's as safe as houses, owned by parliamentarians in Canberra apply. Check the PDS for details. Oh, actually, there is no PDS. Just a handshake.
1: So, you know, whatever. No rules. (laughs) This week's first fear. When the group chat goes public. You know, it (laughs) seems that the only gigs that are not cancelled are the ones that... Should be. The National Press Club this week, Prime Minister Scott Morrison put on his first ever solo show in over a year and the critics gave it zero stars (laughs) after being pummeled from journalists on questions around accountability and transparency and the price of bread. It was a bombshell text message sent years ago that made the headlines and now it was uh, brought to to light by the Unimate of Christian Porter and Channel 10's most senior litigant, uh, Peter Van Onselen. He read out the text from, allegedly from Premier Gladys Berejiklian and a senior woman minister who said that Scott Morrison was a psycho and a horrible, horrible man. Now, if Peter Van Onselen was going to be rude to the Prime Minister's face, why even go in the first place, <laughs> Jess Perkins? <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, you know, I, I, maybe there's some uh, bravery to it for, you know, speaking to someone face-to-face. I don't know. I, um, I love this so much because... Uh, more and more, I'm starting to yeah be a bit more mindful about what I'm texting to people <laughs> because of screenshots. I'm just terrified of screenshots, and I can't even say that I'd be, um, you know, saying anything particularly bad. But you just never
0: know. If I re- if I leaked the um, our text message thread between you and me, Perko, <laughs> it would just be you asking me every week, "Are you my best friend?" and me never <laughs> responding. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I'll get you one day, and when I do, you better believe I'm screenshotting that.
1: <laughs> it really goes against the first rule of politics, which is never, ever put anything into writing, ever. Like, why, why would you even, Why would you ever do that?
0: Why didn't they, like, te- um, put it on the, like, Telegram, you know, the one that disappears?
1: <laughs> yes. uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Telegram. The one they Snapchat each other.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Then you can put it with a little dick pic, it's gone.
1: Well, the ben- i mean, the benefit of a telegram, <laughs> of an actual physical telegram, is that you have to say stop every few words. So it'll be like, Scott Morrison is horrible, horrible. Stop, man, stop, horrible. So you would—you kind of have that mix, that mix-up. You wouldn't actually you think um, you talk yourself uh, out of it. You're across. like,
0: well, he's a complete <laughs> psycho. Stop. Oh, maybe I should. Maybe stop. I shouldn't send <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> now these texts were actually sent years ago, like uh, you know, up to two years ago. Some people suggesting this is because PVO, who is now like a litigant in a court case due to a bullying case taken against him at Channel Ten, has thrown a bit of a, a dead cat on himself to deflect attention from himself and put it back on the prime minister. Do you think this was a good strategy to, to deflect attention from himself?
4: I think as well he was saying on radio that it's like uh, the, that was the question of well, why now and he was sort of like, oh you know, these things take time to verify and uh, you know <laughs> two years it's not it's not that it's convenient, but it is it's it took took some time to get to me and then for me to
1: verify so you know nothing sus. Yeah no it's 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 pretty weird timing that he's done this mm. at this time.
0: It does also feel, though, like I do sometimes think that journalists have a sense of the prevailing winds, you know, and I do think that, you know, two years ago, if you just stood in front of Scott Morrison and gone, everyone's saying you're a complete psycho. That story might not have, like, hit the way it does right now. It was, like, the same week the opinion polls came out that showed his unpreferred prime minister rating was way up, that he was, if the election was tomorrow, he would lose. I feel like there is a bit of a sense of like the people who maybe a year ago were, I'm not saying giving him an easy run, but maybe not necessarily looking for the cracks are now looking for those cracks and trying to stick a little crowbar in.
3: As in like the people on, on his team from the coalition or from. No, I, the I just,
0: I mean, I, I'm not saying Peter Van Onslan's on his team, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I mean, just, I do think that you do get a sense I think sometimes with, a variety of politicians over the years that when a politician starts to wane in popularity, when they start to feel a little less like Teflon, people do start to get kicked the boot in at these sort of national press club chats.
1: Lewis, can I just say that was a very non political answer? That was very good. Have you considered <laughs> running for politics? That was, that was that was very good. Not naming yes. any names, nothing very specific at all. Thank good generalized hand waving. That was excellent.
0: Thank you so much. I should have done my hands like that. I should have done the yeah. tough like <laughs>
1: one. Obama <laughs> thumbs. Yeah. Obama thumbs. I'm not
0: saying anyone's on anyone's team. <laughs> I'm just saying it seems like there are fewer people on his team now than there used to be.
3: Irrational
0: <laughs> fear.
5: Have you got a theory about who might be the texting minister?
2: It was
3: Colonel Mustard
2: in the library with a smartphone? A rational fear.
5: Thank you for that.
1: This week's second fear. Elon Musk, a rich guy and space coward, has been jumping into the DMs of teenagers making demands. Jack Sweeney, a 19-year-old college student, built a Twitter bot that tracks and publishes the location of Elon Musk's private jet. Now, Musk isn't too happy about this. He jumped in the kids' DMs and asked and offered him $5,000 to shut it down. Jack demanded $50,000 and a Tesla, and then Elon backed <laughs> down and then blocked him. <laughs>
3: Now, uh, Dave, should Elon have paid out this kid? Well, I mean, five grand from Elon Musk, the world's richest or second richest person, is like that's like five cents from an average person. It's, that's like a mm. normal person offering to not spit on you. You're not going to take that <laughs> in. You want more. You're going to go for what? 50 grand? Man, that, that, honestly, that's still a drop in the ocean for Musk. If he, wants, if he doesn't want us to know that he's travelled 240,000 kilometres on his private plane, he should pay up.
1: Yeah, and th- that that whole trip probably cost him fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> right. It's it's interesting. Like Jack was really cunning. He's like, you know, I'm a I'm a college student. Just kind of, you know, I just need fifty thousand, pay off my college debt, and a Tesla. Come on, you can give that to me. I think it's a great. I think it's a, such a low ball offer as well. I'm
0: sort of on the other side of this. I kind of feel like people. It, <laughs> what he's basically done is gone. I'm stalking a person, and I'm making sure everyone else can stalk him too. But And then before the trial's even gone, he's, he's got the character defence out. He's like, oh, I'm just a uni student. I'm just looking for this. And you're like, this is still extortion. Like, you, mm. this is a horrific <laughs> thing you're doing. This is like, I don't know if anyone has ever been stalked, but it's not a lot of fun. And you're like. Lewis,
1: is, are you saying this because you just put a down payment on a golf stream? Is this exactly <laughs> what, <laughs> is what you're done? you've done? You
0: Don't follow. I've, I have upgraded from scooter to golf stream. I've, <laughs> yeah, all yeah. of the all of the normal cars. But I, I genuinely do believe, and I say this so rarely, I'm on Elon Musk's side on this. Oh, <laughs> God.
3: Now, God. I, I'm all for this. Uh, it's like a prison-style electronic GPS monitor for billionaires, which I think personally they should all have for their crimes they've committed <laughs> against society.
4: They should all have it. <laughs> they should
3: all have them. We should know where they are at all times. And I will say that it is, I think it's, it's publicly available data that this kid's just smart enough to use bots to sort of uh, put it all together and... Make a a neat Twitter account about it. It's not like he's hacking anything. It's all out there. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's just putting. Yeah, this is making the public, uh, publicly available data more public. Really. Yeah. Putting it into a wider audience. He's
4: done it for other people as well, hasn't he? Like not just Elon Musk. Like he's really he's covering his bases because if they all fork up, you know, between five and fifty grand, he's going to be fine.
1: Yeah, Bill Gates, um, a Drake. Apparently, Drake has got a really awesome jet. Like, it's a seven six seven, which can hold I can't a couple hundred. You're people. saying
0: that with a tone of surprise. Drake, <laughs> well, you're like, do you guys know that Drake has a private jet? Is that crazy? <laughs> yeah, to anyone?
1: You're like, yeah. that's no, the first he, person in the world
0: I would have thought had a private jet.
3: Nobody's, but, but like, it's so expensive. It's a huge and one. Like it, like, it seats over two hundred people. It's so big.
1: Yeah, but like, I can understand. I can I can understand like Elon Musk having a private jet, but Drake is like a performing artist. Like
0: you know that Drake has has like had more time in the number like as a number one artist than the Beatles. And they had to split it four ways. He's one guy.
1: I don't know what things are worth. You know, we're the number one comedy podcast in Australia, and I'm begging people Uh, to join the Patreon.
0: I was most surprised. Are you saying we're the Drake of Australian podcasting? Because that is fucking outrageous. (laughs) Plus, also, he has some shit going on that we do not want to be associated with.
1: (laughs) Right, good, excellent. Oh, great, Drake is cancelled, but he's got a private jet, swings and roundabouts. (laughs) Um, If you saw Elon Musk flying into Australia, what would you do?
3: Oh, obviously, uh, run to the airport.
4: Yeah, get my signs get, out. Get Welcome, photo, Elon. Get a
3: photo of the guy. Uh, you know how, how I
0: uh, Love you, Elon.
4: I'd
3: say, uh, give me five grand and I won't take a selfie with you and see what he says.
0: <laughs> I was at um, Splendour in the Grass a couple of years ago and Elon Musk was there. No. And, um, yeah, it was while he was building the battery at, uh, in South Australia. So he was there with his, at the time, uh, girlfriend Amber Heard. And uh, I was there with Australian of the Year Dylan Alcott. How's the name dropping on this? <laughs> and uh, I was having a I was having a beer with Dylan, and we looked over, and he's like, over my over my shoulder is Elon Musk. I look over, and I'm like, fuck, man, it's Elon Musk. And Amber Hurt. And I'm like, don't move. I'm going to get a photo. <laughs> and before I can even get my phone out, Dylan Orcott has done a 180 and gone straight to Elon Musk and is having a chat with Elon. No, and, of course he is. Yeah. Of course he is. Of course he is. That's Dylan Orcott. Yeah. And so I am like, oh, Dylan Orcott can chat to Elon Musk. I guess I'll just take a quick snap of Dylan chatting to Elon and then I can send it to Dylan later. And I left li- I my phone up. And as soon as I left my phone up, his security pointed like a laser <laughs> at my phone. <laughs> So that my phone flashed, like my phone wouldn't take the photo because it would just see it was just a wow. white flash, and then the bouncer, his like security guy, looked at me and gave me this like smile and a shake of the head, and I put the phone down and I like gave him a little imaginary tip of the cap, and I was like, "Well, place <laughs> it." <sir." laughs>
3: it sounds like you're. Wow. A, that was like some men in black style technology. Like they've come up and just wiped your memory of everything. <laughs> totally. I'd forgotten about it until right then. Irrational Fear.
4: Today Australians will come together in every corner of our nation across the globe to reflect, respect and celebrate. I'd like to thank the National Australia Day
3: Council's partners, Chevron. Your fear is rational.
1: This week's third fear. Peter Dutton wants your face. A tender has appeared on a government website to build a giant facial recognition database. It's got a catchy name. Everyone can remember. The National Driver Licensed Facial Reci- Recognition <laughs> Solution, or Endular for, for short. Uh, first, I think it needs a catchy name. Uh, I've, got, I've got one. Uh, needs a name that uh, I think people can trust. I think people would really love RoboFace. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, it would be great. The database could pref- is meant to provide secure, national, real-time and on. Online services through facial recognition matches so you know like if Settolink sends you a robo-debt you just show your face to (laughs) robo-face and robo-face talks to robo-debt and it says you're the wrong person and then robo-debt apologizes for the (laughs) robo-snafu and you don't go to robo-jail um Here's the thing, though. The laws that allow such a service haven't actually been passed yet, so technically the thing, if it gets built, is illegal. Fearmongers, the Human Rights Commissioner, Ed Santor, is pretty worried about this. Does RoboFace worry you, Lewis? Well,
0: I mean, how could it? What could possibly go wrong, Dan? I mean, I love. How often is the human rights commissioner worried in this country? You know what I mean? Like you would just. I know what it's like to wake up every day anxious, and my life is not his life. You know what I mean? Like you just. You know, no, but
1: Lewis, you must be you you must be so scared of Tony Martin robbing a bank and you getting <laughs> you getting blamed for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, const- I'm worried about it every day. Every day I text Tony Martin. I'm just like, how's the finances? Do you need a <laughs> $1,000? Don't do it. You have so much to live for. I just think that the amount of times we completely ignore human rights in this country at the moment, like it's got to a point where you're like, human rights, it's something we're interested in, but we're not so much following <laughs> through on committing to caring about it.
3: Dave and Jess, are you worried about this? Yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that Peter Dutton is uh, after l- literally anyone else's face in this country. I'm not surprised <laughs> <laughs> take, I'll take it. I'll take anyone, any of them. They're all, they're all good. Uh, next it's going to be Robo Hair. He's just like,
0: <laughs> just looking for photos of hair. I'm just um, yeah. trying out a few new looks on um, a new little app I have. <laughs> God.
1: Well, as but as Mister Potato Head, he can you know interchange his face. I think that's kind of his the next transition of the spud, right?
4: I reckon. Take it even further, and like you know CCTV facial recognition. I love the idea of me being tracked. Um, at all, <laughs> at all. Is it just because you like attention? Yeah. No, it's because I fear being kidnapped. Um, why would I be <laughs> a target of that? Not sure. Don't have wealthy parents. I've got no money of my own. Nobody would miss me. <laughs>
1: It's interesting. A few states have already bought into this and they're already kind of adding the driver's license photos to the database. I think Queensland, Tasmania uh, and I think Victoria uh, have done that already. D- does this mean like people are going to be turning up to like Vic Rhodes in funny disguises now, like to make sure the government has a, has a wacky picture of them that they won't be disguised as?
0: If they're only using driver's license photos, they'll only be able to track you in the street if you're not smiling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is bad news for Grace Tame. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, I like the. I mean, I look pretty different to the photo I took in like 2005. So I like the idea that there's no, someone. No,
0: Dan. No, you look the same, babe. <laughs> you look better. You look better. I look better. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I just like the idea. There's a skinny John Lovers getting arrested for the, my bad crimes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, a rational fear. The Prime Minister's office is accused of plotting to keep documents from its controversial car park scheme a secret. The Auditor-General found the government pushed projects into seats the Coalition needed to win at the last election. This is a rational fear.
1: Joining us now is a woman who is determined to take the seat of Hughes from well-known intellect Craig Kelly. But the question <laughs> is... How will she prove that she has the chops to do so? Please welcome Georgia Steele. Welcome, Georgia.
5: Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me.
1: It's really great to have you. Quite a privilege. Now, first of all, Georgia, many people would know you from your 2018 appearance in ITV's Love Island. How has your stint (laughs) in reality TV prepared you? Sorry, I'm reading the wrong bio here. That's a different Georgia Steele. Where's yours? Okay, here it is. Oh, yes, here you go. Sutherland local corporate litigator. What makes you think you have the diligence and competence to be the member of Hughes over a failed furniture salesman and a conspiracy theorist?
5: <laughs> oh well, the introduction says it all, doesn't it, Dan? I, I, I'm a Sutherland <laughs> local and, and a corporate litigator. You have to go any further than that?
0: As someone who doesn't live in Hughes and isn't in Sydney from Sydney originally, how did Craig? Like how did how? You know what I mean? Like, how no, do, this, like is, this is the thing. Hughes,
1: Hughes to me sounds—he's a pretty, feels like a pretty middle-class,
5: yes. wealthy
1: suburb. Through, people are there. educated there. Like, first of all, how how did he even get in? Like, and how is he perceived now?
5: Well, um, Craig Kelly was a captain's pick, uh, at least for the last two elections. He has actually been voted in by the people of Hughes for times and is currently serving his 12th year in parliament but for the last couple of times and particularly the last election Scott Morrison uh intervened and saved Craig Kelly as the Liberal Party's pre-selected candidate so that's the reason that he got elected again last time unfortunately with a swing towards so um that was when I started thinking all right well I did not expect that to happen and something different has to happen next time
1: so what was the catalyst for you? Was there a moment you went, oh, I can't handle this guy representing <laughs> me on the federal stage? Like what was the thing? That yeah, you try to pick like- one if you can. Yeah, yeah no, like, I, I, narrow it down to one. We're, out, we're short of time.
5: I couldn't possibly break it down to one. I was just appalled, obviously, that he was my representative, appalled and embarrassed. Um, and so I started volunteering for some of the local political community groups and then at the same time became increasingly desperate about what was not happening on the climate action front in our country. And so I thought, you know what, I reckon I could give this a red hot razzle, watching those politicians up there and thinking, I think that me and a few of my friends could probably have a crack at this, so decided to.
3: So did you, do you want to be a, a politician or are you just happy to get rid of Craig and once he's gone you go, ah, job done? <laughs> and- yeah, that,
5: that's a good question, Dave. No one's actually asked me that. I don't particularly want to be a politician, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, it just got to a point where it was so dire.
1: I'm so glad you said that because, um, you know, this, that clip is going to be circulating all around <laughs> the media next week and you know, people will go, oh, she said it on some podcast and people will start <laughs> following the podcast, do the rest of the story.
5: Yeah, when I've been in the House of Representatives for 25 years, see, she's a liar.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't want to be a politician, normally um, that's where the nationals end up. Do you ever consider becoming a national?
5: Yeah, I'll just go with a straight no for that, Lewis. <laughs> yeah,
1: okay. I noticed you launched your uh, your crowdfunding kind of campaign this week. It's um, very well polished. Have you had any like major donors like from Chevron or Shell <laughs> or in, you know, to kind of swing your vote?
5: No, no. Can't say that I have. We're uh, running a community campaign, community donations, and, um, you know, Craig Kelly's an asset in that regard, so um, we're not doing too badly on the fundraising front.
1: How are you going in the street with folks, hand, like face-to-face? Like wh- what are folks telling you uh, about the feeling of the electorate uh, and do you come across any Liberal fans who are like, you know, um, I'm not really into Craig, but, but I am a die-hard Liberal? <laughs> I'm,
5: yeah, I'm- loads loads um i speak to uh, you know obviously um hughes is a safe liberal seat it's been a safe liberal seat for a long time they have won on first preferences for the last you know several elections and so there are a lot of diehard rusted on liberal voters here um a lot of them tell me that they can't put up with craig kelly any longer but actually more of them tell me that they're just overall fed up with the way government's going at the moment with the robots and the scandals and, you know, the lack of integrity. That's the number one issue with the people that I talk to on the street. I think everyone accepts that, you know, Craig Kelly is who he is and um, we need to move on from that. But there's broader issues at play now. People are just upset generally with the government and the Liberal Party in particular.
0: I mean, if it is a sort of safe Liberal seat, um, I imagine there must be some policies you have that are, that are crossing over in that area. What do you think are, like, the main issues in your area apart from getting rid of Craig Kelly that, that you're hoping to, to bring forward here?
5: Well, as I said before, I decided to run because I wanted to get action on climate change. That That is my number one aim in doing what I'm doing. Uh, we live in a beautiful electorate, actually. Hughes takes in the Royal National Park and a number of river systems and beaches. And so I think the people here actually want to maintain their beautiful surroundings and their lifestyle. But also... Back to integrity. I can't believe what the federal government has been getting away with over the last few years. I don't think many of us can. I mean, even to the point where Craig Kelly got up to his worst shenanigans last year and, you know, really got a tiny little slap on the wrist and go over there and sit back down, you'll be right.
1: That's right. He, so got, when, he got sent in, get sent in for a dressing down in, this, in, yeah. in the Prime Minister's exactly, office. Yeah.
5: Exactly, exactly. Addressing down, and then it was only a few months later that he just decided to leave himself. So um, you know, every day we hear some scandal that's coming out of the federal government, and it, it, they're supposed to be uh, representing all of us, and they're supposed to be serving us. And I think that's a concept that we've really lost in federal politics that we're serving the public, that there's no, you know, personal gain to be had here?
1: We've seen quite the shift or the pivot, if you like, in the attitude to climate, particularly in seats that are under threat from climate independence, um, like Tim Wilson. Tim Wilson in Goldstein is all of a sudden this crazy environmentalist who is going around to all the renewable businesses in his electorate telling everybody what a great job solar panels are doing and and he's really big on batteries and he's eating kombucha that is is like uh, carbon neutral and it's so fascinating (laughs) because for years he's been part of the IPA where he's systematically tried to destroy every bit of carbon... Abatement or or emissions policy and burn it all to the ground, and you see something very similar happening in Wentworth with Dave Sharma. Dave Sharma handing out flyers that unfortunately had an epic typo, but he wouldn't understand what the typo meant. Had a typo that said "net zero climate action." That was the title of the flyer, <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing. So you have all these like all, all of a sudden you, you've got these liberals who aren't well versed in climate trying to be climate heroes. That's not happening in your electorate for a pretty good reason, isn't it? Because there is no one in the Liberal Party who's standing up to you yet. What's happening in the Liberal Party? Why are they taking their time to get someone to go against you?
5: Um, I think the answer to that is because they're a complete shambles. Um, (laughs) They're trying to find a candidate that Scott Morrison um, can conveniently parachute into Hughes, like uh, they've done over the last Couple of elections with Craig Kelly. I'm currently running against a Liberal Party empty chair, and um, you know that's that's fine by me. How's I'm it doing? happy to get <laughs> the <laughs> space. How did the, you, you bring in the, the chair? can <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've sat on a lot of chairs, Georgia, and um, I like it.
1: Did, did the Liberal Party buy that chair from Craig Kelly's old shop? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. So it's Craig Kelly in an empty chair in the Liberal Party. Um, right. That's that's what I'm up against in Hughes, so it's it's going to be an interesting time. But yeah, the, you know, the Liberal Party's taken us for granted and ignored us for a very long time. It's no surprise that they haven't bothered pre-selecting anyone yet.
1: I mean, I, I guess kind of you're the wrong person to ask this, but do you think UAP has any kind of traction at all in Hughes? Like, do you think the United Australia Party, you know, the Clive Palmer party, the the Craig Kelly party, is there an audience for that message in, in Hughes at all?
5: No. Uh, I think I'm the perfect person to ask about that, actually. Um, the United <laughs> Australia Party got 2.4% of the vote in Hughes in the 2019 election. Wow. And Craig Kelly How much is, does is, the chair get? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, closer to closer to 50, um, I'm worried. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was roundly disliked before he left the Liberal Party and now he's terrorising people all over the country with his text messages and billboards and, um, and advertising in every traditional media he can find so
3: um can i ask how many contacts do you have on your phone and have you messaged them all yet <laughs>
5: uh, uh, uh a lot and yes
2: <laughs> okay,
5: <laughs> right. <There you> <laughs> uh, all my free contacts you know phone numbers that i didn't have to buy
2: Dave.
5: Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: exactly. i mean they, i mean they are spending a lot of money though is that something that worries you we were talking about the amount of political advertising that um united australia party had done um just just on the podcast the other week and it's you know what was it Dan? 60 million
1: 60 million yeah
0: yeah compared to you know other major party labor party had spent whatever 500,000 or something comparatively it was nothing
1: uh, oh mm. yeah then that was on youtube they spent 5 million dollars on youtube and the labor party had spent like 37,000 dollars or something
5: mm. yeah Well, I mean, we all know that Clive Palmer spent $84 million to hand the 2019 election back to the Liberal Party, and in spending that amount of money, did not win a single seat. So we can fully expect that to happen again. Um, Where his strategy will ultimately land is unclear, but um, in answer to your question, um, no, I'm not worried about it. I mean, I can't possibly compete with that kind of money. But what I don't have in terms of money on the ground, I have in people on the ground. And um, I'm in my electorate. I'm working with my community and they're the ones who are going to vote um, come well, election bring out the so... novelty
0: check. We've um, actually <laughs> uh, got a $60 million donation podcasting has been very good to us,
2: Georgia.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah, we, well, uh... that's fine. Let's get it in there, full disclosure, and then I'll, um, I'll get into Parliament. I'll make sure that no one, can donate 60 million dollars to anyone
1: next. Time. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, well, that rules me out. Well, well. Uh, I was I did have 60 million lying around, uh, I have more.
0: Being independent uh, is has historically been quite tough, not impossible but tough. Do you mm. but there's been more of a conversation around it certainly in the media. People like Zali Stegel have sort of changed the narrative around that as well as others. But if you've found that people are like potentially, I guess you don't necessarily have a yardstick to measure it against, but more receptive to the idea of an independent now than potentially they might have been previously?
5: Yeah, I do. I'm finding people to be very receptive to the idea of an independent. Um, The seat of Hughes has never been held by an independent. Uh, And so it's a big change to ask Mm. the people around here to vote for an independent. I think they voted uh, 92% at the last election for one of the two or three major parties. But I think that people like Zali Stegel and Helen Haynes MP have really opened people's eyes to the power that independence can have in Parliament and opened people's eyes to the ways in which the two-party system is failing us. And people are starting to really get to the point where they're going to be willing to try something different, because if we keep doing what we've always done, we'll get the same result.
1: This is an interesting question from Kieran Castellino on YouTube. What about preferences? How are you be, how are you kind of dish out preferences and your how to votes and things like that?
5: That is the number one question that I get asked uh, from everywhere, from people that I meet on the street, on social media, even to the point that today I put up an FAQ list on my website so that people could check <laughs> it out
1: themselves.
2: <laughs> right.
5: I will not be suggesting preferences on my how to vote card. Preferences do not belong to candidates. They belong to voters and this is a misconception that I'm really, really keen to clear up. Um, Preferences are the voter's superpower, and all they need to do is spend a very small amount of time, once every three years, check out the candidates in their seat, check out their platforms, check out their qualifications, and vote. Um, I will, of course, be asking people to vote one Georgia Steel, but then I will say, please rank the remaining candidates in order of your preference. That is what
1: preferences are. I will just chime in here. If you want to know more about preferences, go to the Irrational Fear email list, irrationalfear.substack.com, drop us your email and check out the first column from Kara Schlegel from this week. She's written a a great explainer on preferences and how they work and preferences are pretty important. So uh, make sure you check out that article from uh, Kara Schlegel. Um, Georgia, thank you so much. I'll have you know that, you know, while we're we're not you know, going to donate to your campaign. Um, we have done some joke-keeper billboards in your electorate uh, and your neighbouring electorate of Cook. Can we just run them by you and see what you think? Oh, I'd love to love to know uh, how you, you know, how you rank these. First of all is this yep, one. It. Uh, let's put this one up here. Uh, this is it. Uh, Hawaiian hideaway for when things get too hot at home. Bushfire sale now on. What do you think about that one?
5: Yes, I like it. I like it. Subtle, um, you know, cast some shade just very delicately, Dan. I like what you've done there.
1: Okay, what about this one? This is good too. Visit the old growth stumps of Tasmania. (laughs) It's got a little upturned wombat there and and a mum and daughter on a hike through the old growth stumps of Tasmania.
5: That's one of the ones that you really don't want to laugh at but can't help yourself. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I should point out it was done by a Tasmanian artist, so you know we're we're okay there. Here we go. Uh, what about this one here? This is um another one, uh, like kind of a Jobs one. You know, a Jobs for the future. It's got a picture of a woman, a, a little girl in a in a graduation outfit. It says, in twenty thirty five, Cassie will be qualified to put former politicians in jail for historical climate crimes. A climate prosecutor is one of one million new jobs, one million Australian jobs in a fossil free future. What do you think of
5: this one? Bring it on. That's a, that's a short 13 <laughs> years away. I can totally see Cassie um, taking it to them. I'm in favour.
1: And finally, in Engadine in Hughes, um, we've got this one going up. Um, <laughs> Great says, wins. An appropriate win for it. Immediately. Yeah. Welcome welcome to Engadine, the place where Scott Morrison last did anything. <laughs> uh,
5: well, look. You're allowed to pass on that but, one. Um, just opened this week a campaign office in Engadine. Across the road from McDonald's. So, you know, we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna be um making Angadine great again.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, could you at least make Angadine clean again? That would be great. Yeah, yeah, sure.
5: <laughs> yeah I'll give it a give it a shot.
1: Georgia Steele, thank you so much for joining us on Irrational Fear.
5: Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me.
1: That's it for the show. Big thank you to all of our guests, Georgia Steele, Jess Perkins, Dave Warneke. Jess and Dave, what would you like to plug?
3: I think uh, we should plug our podcast, Yes, Do Go On, which is a a history-based comedy program where for the last six years we've taken it in turns to research a topic, bring it back to the others and uh, try and make jokes about it.
4: Mm. Sometimes really well researched, sometimes pretty poorly,
0: but um, always, (laughs) always with a good laugh.
3: It's very good. It's very
1: enjoyable. Lewis, would you like to plug anything?
0: Well, I mean, since I've got Jess Perkins here, not to start a turf war and not to create a snaking, eating its own tail kind of inception situation where we're at a dream within a dream. But Jess Perkins and I also do a podcast, as well as Dan and I doing this podcast. What? Uh,
1: it's, what? what? It's did you know Simply about <laughs> this thing? <laughs> Simply the Jess? I, I,
0: I didn't want you to feel, I didn't want you to hear about it like this. I thought,
1: I thought you and Hing did that podcast.
0: Who do you think the jest is? She's
4: oh, the you're, oh,
1: you're the jest. <laughs> She's I should,
0: the I
4: should,
2: I should really the listen gest. to the podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you should. It's great. Uh, Where uh, Michael Hing, myself, and Jess Perkins hear the best stories around the country on a topic. The topic this week was boats. It's coming out on Monday, and I I don't feel I feel like I can't tell you the stories in front of a. Um, Person who's campaigning for Parliament because I don't want to, I don't want you to think of me like this, Georgia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and finally, Georgia Steele, what would you like to plug?
5: Just vote one Georgia Steele come election day
1: naturally hey a big thank you to all of our Patreon members who signed up we've had a huge sign up over the last two weeks I'm going to read them all out so just hang in there Jesse Lepod Renee Ridgway, Chris Harris-Pascal uh, Sash D'Souza uh, C3168014 Emily R James Russell Joe Wade Brooke Santa, Matt Best uh, Zuzia Abdul Yusuf uh, Alex Heidecock Diane Ryle Dominic Knight from The Chaser has signed up Michael Solomon Clyde uh, Joe Stellanopoulos Stella- and Verona Miller X Dana Van Dyke, uh, Megan uh, Cheela, Colin Skybar, Jan, Yacy, Peter and Trudes. Wow, that is so many people. Thank you for signing up to Irrational Fear and you can do that too. If you want to see us uh, continue on with this podcast, please go to Irrational Fear. Uh, dot com or go to Patreon forward slash Irrational Fear. Big thank you to everyone who has tuned in for the stream tonight and uh, that's about it. Also, big thanks to Roadmarks, Bertha Foundation and everyone who listens. So thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. There's always something to be scared of. Bye.
3: Bye. Bye.
0: <laughs> uh, and now let's all do it in harmony. Bye. Bye.